My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. And then baby's out and you still have some additional weight on you, right? And so the thought is, oh, I'll just go back to eating what I was eating before, or it's okay if I skip meals because I have this weight to lose anyway. But the reality is our nutrient needs are actually higher in postpartum, you know, in the immediate sense, because we're healing, we're not sleeping. If you're breastfeeding, you know, your nutrient needs remain high for a really long time. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday. So today on the podcast, we are talking all about postpartum nutrition and specifically functional nutrition. So I admit before I recorded this episode, I really didn't quite understand what functional nutrition was. And trust me, we're going to get to it. She's going to explain all of it if you're like, what even is that? But it is so interesting how our hormones and our body systems are all connected in a lot of what we eat. Today, I had Allison from Motherwell Nutrition on the podcast, and we chatted all about hormonal imbalances post-birth, how to support our bodies through this period of change, some great ways to move your body in addition to focusing on your nutritional needs, and how to find a functional nutritionist in your area if you want to learn more. So let's dive right in. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff? Yeah. So I'm Allison Bowden. I'm a registered dietitian and I work with moms really all across all seasons um, from the early postpartum to the later postpartum, perimenopause, everything in between. I'll probably start dipping my toes in menopause, menopause, as I get closer to that in my practice, I live in San Diego with my family. I have two little boys that are turning into not so little boys. They're six and four. Oh, <laughs> and they're going to be by mine are three years. So it's a, it's a okay. little bit wider gap, but that's, I mean, that's going to be my future in a couple yeah. of years. It's like yeah, how, how old are yours? four and one. 
Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Just, it happens so fast. I know I that know. the six-year-old is in first grade and learning how to read and oh. all, all those things. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's great, but also bittersweet <laughs> missing yeah. the little baby. Yeah. And we just moved here from San Francisco. So it's funny to say almost that I live in San Diego now because I'm from the Bay Area and lived in San Francisco for a long time. And now we're down here in the sunshine. So it's Yeah, I was going to say, so I guess San Francisco, I'm just, you know, East Coast. So I don't, I don't travel out to California very often. I've been there a handful of times, but so San Francisco is just much colder, I'm assuming, because it's it's its own. Warmer. Yeah, it's well, not even that. It's its own little microclimate, and we okay. get. <laughs> I guess it's not we anymore because I don't live there. Uh-huh. But lots of fog, and so okay. it can it can be like you can cross a bridge and go north or east or head south down the peninsula, and in the summer it can be 40, 50 degrees different <laughs> than oh. it is in the city proper. So lots of fog, lots of cool weather, lots of great stuff about the city as well, but the weather can't be beat down here. Yeah. So it was yeah. a, it was a nice move for sure. And then, you know, more space for the kids. Yeah. Which is totally really nice. Yeah, totally. Well, today we are going to be talking about functional nutrition and postpartum wellness. So if you don't mind kind of introducing what you do and maybe can you give us like a little overview of what functional nutrition even means? Yeah. So basically what I do is I help moms feel better. I see a lot of moms that have either just had a baby or had a baby maybe a year or two ago and still don't feel good. So whether that be terrible insomnia, even though their kids are sleeping or just really debilitating fatigue hormone drama, moodiness, changes in their menstrual cycles, lots more PMS than before they had kids, things like that, that don't really qualify as like a diagnosable disease or problem, but is impacting their quality of life super significantly. And I've found over the years that working with this population quite a bit, that there's really this like perfect storm of things that happens after birth that lends itself to lots of these symptoms. And that perfect storm that we can, you know, get into the details about later is the nutrient deficiencies that are almost ubiquitous, you know, happens to, to virtually everybody post-birth from, you know, all of the nutrients that are required to grow baby, you know, to, to heal, to feed yourself. I, I just see that there's a ton of nutrient deficiencies that happen postpartum. And then the combination of the hormonal changes that happen in that transition from pregnancy to postpartum that connection along with the stress, the lack of sleep, the skipping meals that that's really common with taking care of little ones really sets the stage for not feeling great. And so that's what I do in a nutshell is help. And this is where the functional nutrition piece comes in. I really help dig in and find the puzzle pieces that are related to a particular patient's symptoms. So it's less about like, oh, take this supplement if you have this symptom. Joint pain is a really common one, for example, that not a lot of people talk about postpartum, but a lot of women experience joint pain for a while after pregnancy. And of course we're ruling out the big things with like rheumatoid arthritis or such, but you know, for a lot of cases, it's not anything super big and diagnosable. 
And so instead of just like, oh, why don't you take this anti-inflammatory supplement? We're looking at, okay, what's going on behind this? We know that low estrogen is related to increased inflammation. So how can we support estrogen? We know that certain foods are anti-inflammatory and certain foods are pro-inflammatory. So modifying the diet a bit in order to really help that. So it's functional nutrition ends up being like a little investigative work, figuring out what the root causes of things are. So it ends up being really personalized. And then over time in treating this population for a while, I found just certain trends where, okay, if we have this cluster of symptoms, it points to, you know, XYZ nutrient deficiency or a combination of that plus a hormone issue. And when we do this type of treatment, we usually get good results. So it's a great area to be in, in terms of really using food as medicine. And I've seen some really powerful outcomes from it. And it's really, really rewarding. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I was reading on your website and I was hoping that you could just elaborate on your own journey into motherhood and specifically like getting interested in nutritional support on the postpartum side. I was just wondering if you could share like your own story and the way that it kind of brought you to where you are now. Yeah, totally. I was always into hormone health professionally, well, personally too, because it's fun as, you know, I became a registered dietitian and then did a lot of my continuing education around like fertility and hormone balance and that kind of work. And I worked with a lot of fertility patients in my private practice. I also worked in the clinic at UCSF. I taught in the school of nursing. I taught uh, upcoming RNs in the school of nursing at USF. So I had a very varied patient population, but my private practice and my interests really lied in hormone balance and fertility. And then like so many people then I had my first pregnancy, right. And experienced that for the first time, even though I had worked with pregnancy before. And I just remember feeling incredibly disappointed in the nutrition education around pregnancy while I was pregnant, right? Like I knew enough about good pregnancy nutrition, you know, that was part of my training as a dietitian to know what foods I needed in different trimesters and what foods would help me feel better, what we needed, you know, for growing the baby and all of that. But the constant barrage of like, don't eat this, don't eat that during pregnancy as like the only nutrition information, like take your prenatal, it doesn't matter which one is. you know, the advice and then, you know, don't eat the raw meat, don't eat the unpasteurized cheeses and call it a day. Right. And so that really piqued my interest as far as starting to understand where these kind of healthcare meets nutrition gaps really were. And then I gave birth to my first, which maybe I can come back and tell my birth story. (laughs) Sounds Yeah. No, I love it. That sounds like a whole, a whole episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Involved some pushing on the toilet. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, We like pushing on the toilet. It's always interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And an amazing midwife, but I felt so completely unprepared for postpartum. It was even as like a hormone literate dietitian working in hormones forever, I had no clue what I was getting into. And I was the first of my close group of friends to have, have a kid. So I didn't even get any like, uh, you know, night sweat warnings yeah. <laughs> or anything right. like that. And so I was really 
rocked and surprised at my, my experience, which is a very typical postpartum experience, but I just did not see it coming at all. You know, the mood changes. We talked about postpartum depression and baby blues and I, and I certainly knew it existed, but feeling it felt, you know, so much different than it's totally different. I mean, I felt like it changed my practice as a labor and delivery nurse. When I went through birth for the first time, you just get it differently. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure it made you like that much better. Of, of I felt like it definitely yeah. improved my practice for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then, it, you know, the everybody talks about postpartum as like fourth trimester, six weeks long, you know, is if you Google it, it says six weeks. <laughs> and I still, I remember going back to work and I was teaching and I was in the clinic and I just had this brain fog all of the time. And I was lucky to have a very good, you know, call them good babies, but I had a, I had, (laughs) I had a fairly easy baby the first, first time around, not so much the second time around, but who started sleeping through the night pretty early. So I had all these like things that were supposed to help me feel really good. Right. But I had terrible insomnia, exhausted all the time, the brain fog. And I was like, what? gives like what yeah. is this going on and so I'm like I need to I need to figure this out and so I started searching I was looking for maybe some continuing education around postpartum in functional medicine functional nutrition or holistic integrative you know whatever label you want right mm-hmm. and I could find nothing every single thing on in both kind of more traditional settings and more holistic settings when it came to women's health was fertility PCOS hormone balance pregnancy, lactation, yeah, menopause. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm over here <laughs> waving my hand, like, excuse me. Yeah. So I, I just really started digging. And at that point, now there's more people talking about this kind of stuff. But at that point, I didn't find really anybody talking about postpartum hormones and its relationship with nutrition really at all. And so I, you know, did very extensive lit searches to see what was out there, which ended up being, there are quite a few studies on postnatal depletion, on the relationship with different vitamins and minerals and mood disorders, like in general, as well as post-delivery. There's some information on like postpartum weight retention and nutrition, but there wasn't a lot on, on this hormonal piece. And so I ended up looking to menopause research as my kind of guide to do some self-experimentation because as I don't know how well known this is, but during pregnancy, you know, your estrogen and progesterone reach their peak by the end of the third trimester. And then after delivery within, they usually say between like three to seven days, your hormones actually go down to menopause levels. And so postpartum ends up being like this kind of weird version of menopause meets puberty, right? Because we yeah. start off with the really low levels and then it climbs back that- up. And that's why typically you have that day four, like where you feel crazy. Yeah. Like I remember that day four feeling. For sure. Yeah. And then like, it doesn't automatically come back up, you know, and if we're not eating right, if we're not sleeping, if we're stressed all the time, we're not eating the right foods that support hormone balance. It's not this given that hormones are going to go back up to normal, they're going to climb out of that menopause state, right? They're not going to stay completely flatlined for sure. But I get a lot of questions about like, well, when, when do they get back to normal? I heard six months, but I still don't feel good. I'm like, so many things that could be standing in the way of things coming back up. So, you know, to kind of wrap up my personal story, I figured it out for myself and I really 
turned around how I felt pretty fast with the right foods, the right kind of lifestyle medicine, the right supplements, the right functional foods. And then I was like, oh, I'm on to something here. And then yeah. I started seeing more moms in my practice and walking them through a really similar path that I took. Uh-huh. And it worked and people started feeling better a lot faster. I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm going to turn this into a course because turn this I, into something. I'm going to yeah. turn this into something, right? <laughs> because, you know, one-on-one practice is expensive, right? Yeah. And yes. I, my nutrition background is in public health. We were just talking before recording. I went to UNC Chapel Hill. I've got a master of public health and nutrition. And so I wanted to create something that was affordable and accessible. And so yeah. that's when I started doing online courses. I've had several kind of iterations of my postpartum program. It's called Mother Recover. And it goes through the same same steps and layers that I took for myself. And then I tried it again for myself when I had my second kid, worked, works with my patients, and I get pretty good results with the online course format as well. So that's cool. kind of where I am today. Yeah, I love it. No, that's that's wonderful. That sounds great. And I just love how personal it is too. It's something that you know, sometimes it you're skeptical to follow advice from someone who doesn't have the personal background behind it. You know, like they've never right. had kids or they, you know, it's like some guy who doesn't understand how women's not to say that all guys don't understand yeah. how women's bodies work, but it's I don't just, feel it. Yeah. You don't feel it. Yeah. So it's like, it's just cool to be able to take the advice from someone who this is like something that I actually did. And like, mm-hmm. this is, you know, the results that I see. So I love right. that. So let's move into, I would love for you in simple terms to explain how our hormones and our body systems are connected into what we eat. Cause I think that's the, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of the basis behind functional nutrition. Yeah. The basis behind functional nutrition is, is understanding the connection between what we eat and as well as like how our different body systems are connected. Right. So you know, we tend to go in like the medical conventional medicine, you know, we're going to an endocrinologist for our hormones or OBGYN also for our hormones. We're going to a podiatrist for a foot doctor. We're going, you know, over here for this and that. And it makes it seem like all of these different body systems are completely independent from each other. Right. And so the emerging field of like functional medicine, integrative medicine, and then, you know, I'm an offshoot of that, right. With a focus on nutrition for all these things is getting at understanding the connection between all of these things and and how they interact together. And so my lens on hormones, really when it comes to hormonal health and feeling balanced hormonally, food has one of the biggest roles, food and sleep and rest have are absolutely foundational for really everything. And hormones are, are particularly adaptive because when you think about it, you know, reproductive health is your reproductive system is an optional system, right? You don't, it's not like your heart beating or your liver working. You don't need it to survive. And in fact, after menopause, (laughs) we go on to live decades, right? And so it's a system that will shut off if you're not getting adequate resources into your body to really keep things flowing. And food ends up being one of those things, you know, your hormones are made of food. They're, you know, backbone of cholesterol. We have, you know, protein and fat, and they're very, very responsive to if somebody's like not eating enough of really anything, 
hormones can be impacted. You're eating too much of one thing, hormones can be impacted. And if you're not eating balanced, if your blood sugar is not not stable throughout the day, you know, there's so many things that can impact hormones, which sounds like, oh, I have to do all these things perfectly in order to have like hormonal health. That's not so much the case, you know, but they're quite responsive in both directions. You know, we can definitely get like a perfect storm of a lot or like a snowball of you know, if your cortisol is funky, it's going to impact your progesterone, which might impact your estrogen. And that can actually impact your thyroid. And you get this kind of snowball effect yeah. hormonally of different things, but they also snowball in reverse. Once we start working on them in general, again, we don't have to think, okay, this is the diet for cortisol. This is the diet for estrogen. This is the diet for, you know, thyroid health. It's really a general hormone supporting diet can go super far. And I don't even find that it's a super complicated way of eating. It's just about eating balanced and for the most part eating more because I find that mamas don't eat enough. All right. The sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. So this one is from Instagram. She says, I took your Birth It Up epidural course. And of course I had a plan for my labor. And once I was actually in labor, the plan changed. My water broke and my husband and I headed to the hospital. I was having back labor and had to endure a lot of pain before I could get an epidural. So I was grateful your course covered how to cope. Because it was back labor, the epidural only helped with pain a bit. So I had to use other ways to get through it. I knew after 12 hours of being in labor, I was willing to try Pitocin. I was able to labor down for a bit, but after another 12 hours, I consented to use the vacuum. That is quite a long time. He was close, but stuck behind my pelvic bone. I wanted to try everything I could to have him vaginally. Ultimately, I had to have a C-section. Even though I was scared, because your course covered everything, I knew it was going to happen, what I was okay with having done, and felt confident in my choices as new issues came up. I'm at peace with it. I love that. So that is a prime example of someone who was going into their birth, you know, thinking they're going to deliver vaginally, thinking they're going to get an epidural, and then they end up with a different outcome. But she's saying, I'm at peace with it because I knew what was going to happen. I was confident. I was educated going into the process. And now coming away from her birth, she has a completely different mindset because she was educated on what to expect if she has an unplanned C-section. If you want to check out the course that she took, she took Birth It Up, the epidural series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the epidural series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. That goes into our next question. Yeah. Of what, we, what can we do to support our bodies during this period of extreme change where you just had a baby? Any specific foods to eat or just a way to think about eating and healing? You you said just, you know, eating more is a big one. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I remember it, not eating a whole lot being, you know, thinking about baby too much and like right. shoving something in my mouth, you know, at the exactly. end of the day. Right. Exactly. And I also think there's a little bit of like a diet culture element to this. I know we're going to get into that in a minute, but like when it makes intuitive sense, you know, you're eating a certain way during pregnancy and, you know, in order to gain the weight you're supposed to gain in order to eat for two feet, which is, you know, controversial in itself, but we'll get into that. And then baby's out and you still have some additional weight on you. Right. And so the 
thought is, oh, I'll just go back to eating what I was eating before, or it's okay if I skip meals because I have this weight to lose anyway. But the reality is our nutrient needs are actually higher in postpartum, you know, in the immediate sense, because we're healing, we're not sleeping. If you're breastfeeding, you know, your nutrient needs remain high for a really long time. And so we further put that hole in our nutrient stores, which then can really impact our hormones. But something really simple that, that I focus on is what I call my postpartum plate method. So if you've ever seen like kind of healthy plate method stuff, it's, it's a modification of that, that is for supporting additional nutrient intake and, and, and hormonal support. And it's really like, have, think about your plate for lunch and dinner and divide it into equal thirds, a third of that protein a third of that, a slow digesting carbohydrate. I love like sweet potatoes, butternut squash, rice is fine too. So grains are fine for sure. And then a quarter of a plate, vegetables, preferably cooked vegetables, because we tend to digest that easier and and absorb and assimilate more of those nutrients. So it's super simple. And that is part of the foundational work that I do with either a one-on-one client or in my programs, having those bigger meals, three times a day that have these really simple elements is hundred percent mandatory as the foundation for, for hormones. A mistake that I see a lot of people making is like, Oh, I feel like I'm having symptoms of low estrogen. What supplement can I take? Wow. Yeah. If you're not eating enough calories, if your blood sugar is all over the place from having, you know, coffee for breakfast and a bar for lunch and then a big dinner, you're not even getting the calories that are needed to support this, let alone the protein, the fat building blocks. So we really have to start with the really, really simple elements. It doesn't have to be super fancy. Like really, you can just kind of plug in and out favorite foods for that plate. And that really takes people a long way. And it's a really simple way to start eating in a really hormone supporting way. That's cool because I think all we need is simple, simple, simple. I mean, come on, you got so much going on at that time period. So like the simpler, the better here. Like if you can tell me, you know, what to do in, in simple terms, I think a lot of people would latch onto that. So I love that. I feel like that was very, very easy to understand. I would love to move into the topic of get your body back after baby and how that's so pushed to us. So first of all, just kind of what is your response to that? I feel like a rage building up in me (laughs) right now. Like, And it's like, so for me as, you know, a postpartum dietitian, a lot of people come to me for weight or which is like the worst. A lot of people assume that that's what I'm all about. Like Uh, get your body big. uh, Like let's get, I need to figure out You're setting the record straight. Yeah. You're like, I am not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not my thing. You know, I think it does just a tremendous disservice to moms to like have this somebody said this recently, mom who doesn't look like a mom kind of thing, where as soon as baby's out, we have to erase all evidence of pregnancy. Certainly our body has changed and, you know, our bones moved, our, you know, insides got shifted around. There's going to be a lasting impact there. Mm -hmm. And when we dive straight into 
keto or intermittent fasting or, you know, whatever, even just like calorie restriction after birth, that's where I see this intersection of such a mismatch of what our bodies need in this moment compared to what we're getting. You know, sometimes it's kind of accidental calorie restriction from just busyness and, and having a difficult time, you know, sitting down for meals, you know, the more kids you have, the, the harder it is for that. But when we also have this pressure to lose the weight and, and lose it as fast as possible, like it just sets the stage for really feeling like crap for potentially years. Exactly. Feeling like crap. It probably fuels a lot of mental issues too, postpartum depression and postpartum Mm -hmm. anxiety. Like I, yeah. And I'm glad I feel like we're starting to shift the other way. Like Mm -hmm. bodies are starting to be, you know, I'm starting to see more pictures on Instagram, even just for example, of like people posting what your body looks like right after birth. Like this is what it looks like. It's not anything to be ashamed of. We're starting to talk about it more and that makes me really, really happy. But of course there's still going to be that whole frame of thought of like, when am I going to get my body back after birth? And it's just, it's so sad. Right. And I'm definitely all about feeling good in your body, which, you know, weight has to do with that. Right. And and feeling good and feeling confident and feeling like yourself or, you know, just like a new updated version of yourself. I used to say a lot, like, feel like yourself again, but like, you know, it's a different version of yourself. It's different. Yeah. Feel good again is is more what I'm about. But there was a long time, you know, particularly in my online courses where I was very averse to doing anything related to weight, because I'm like, this is not what this is about. I want you just to feel really good. You know, I definitely believe that eating regular meals and balancing the hormones can definitely set the stage for some nice weight loss because it takes away some of the barriers to losing that baby weight. But more recently, I've, I've kind of come to terms with okay, if I don't share some information about healthy weight loss with my folks, they're going to find it somewhere else and, and maybe not be doing it. And maybe it's not so good. Right. Right, Exactly. Like not doing it in, in a way that doesn't further deplete them doing it too soon postpartum. And so I did create a couple of workshops in my programs that go through healthy weight loss in a way that doesn't muck up hormones further. And that supports your overall body. And it's really just about like, let's figure out doing this investigative work again, Mm -hmm. like let's figure out the reason why your body's holding on to weight. Sometimes it's not eating enough. Sometimes it's not sleeping enough. Sometimes it's hormonally related. Let's figure that out and then work on that. And then so your body can like let go of the weight rather than going on a reduced calorie or carb or whatever plan, which can really result in, in more hormone drama and more nutrient depletions. It's about how we can do it in a way that's safe and appropriate for what your body is going through and not right away. (laughs) Definitely. I'm not like before like six or nine months, I don't even want to talk about weight at all. And then after that, we can start kind of talking about ways to help your body kind of let it go. Cause I think of it really similar to like sustained postpartum hair loss or hair loss in general, right? Like there's a range of normal and then there's excessive or, or prolonged hair loss. And for, you know, the most part hair loss feels really distressing because it's aesthetic thing, right? It's like, here's like 
panicky when, when that happens. And for a large part, it's, it's about like our, our identity and how we feel and how we look. And just because it's related to how we look doesn't mean we still don't want to figure out like, okay, why is your hair falling out? (laughs) Need to know this because this is a problem, you know, in your health and showing us that there's an imbalance or, or a deficiency somewhere. So I think of it kind of in a really similar way, like, okay, why, has it been 18 months and we're still kind of holding on to this despite, you know, the healthy diet that you say you've been eating, you know? So it's about trying to figure out the cause of that and doing it in a really body and hormone friendly way. And when I work with people one-on-one, like the best, best outcome that happens in the context of weight management is somebody saying like, Oh, I lost weight, but I don't really understand why I lost weight or how I lost weight. Cause I don't feel like I've been dieting or yeah. restricting anything or starving. And I'm like, that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or so, they just, you know, they're, they're happy with their body the way that it is and they're not getting on the scale and they just yeah. don't even, don't even realize. Good. Yeah. yeah. You just feel good. Exactly. Right. Recently I did a program with intuitive eating. So I really got much, really, really good into intuitive eating. And now I'm really just much more in tune with that. So I'm That's a great. very good proponent of like, your body is your body and you're worth more than your body. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I end up kind of standing somewhere kind of like in the middle of, yeah. of all of that, where yeah. it's like, yes, I hear you that, you know, you don't feel comfortable in your body. The first thing we're going to do is make yes. you feel really, really good in your body. And by doing that, we will likely kind of unlock whatever was holding that back. And so that you can feel even, even better. So yeah, kind of somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about fitness and how Mm -hmm. that is kind of intertwined into this whole functional nutrition component. Yeah. So it's really like the same in that there's a different fit for everybody, you know, a different mm-hmm. fit for fitness <laughs> intended for everybody, right? Like, you know, part of exercise and fitness has to do with what, whatever you like to do and whatever feels good to your body. But there was definitely a time and a place for different levels and styles of exercise, depending on what's going on with somebody, you know, obviously like in the first weeks or months postpartum, we don't want to be doing anything super physical that might harm you. And so in those first weeks, we're just doing gentle walking, maybe some postpartum yoga or Pilates, things that are really tailored for, for this season of life to make sure that they, they don't, you know, hurt you along the way. And then, you know, as we're getting out of that immediate postpartum, once you get clearance from your doctor to do exercise, it really matters. The the intensity of physical activity needs to kind of titrate up and down based on how you're feeling, what your sleep looks like, what your adrenal health looks like. Exercise can be a thing that if the foundations are all really great, like food foundations, your blood sugar is nice and stable. You're getting these nice full meals. You're getting good sleep. Your cortisol stress management is is pretty lined up. Your body can tolerate higher volume and higher intensity. So like mm-hmm. long runs, boot camp type things, high intensity interval training, that kind of thing. Yeah. But if your foundations are rocky and like you're not sleeping a lot, you are super stressed, not eating in a really balanced way, your body can then actually perceive that level of activity as an additional stressor. And I've oh. seen a lot of women actually like gain weight in response to- it's increasing stress. Stress and stress. Yeah. 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 And so it really can be like 
those kinds of activities, if your foundations are good, don't increase stress and like are great and feel really good. But if you find that you're, you're doing activity and it's all relative, like what's too intense, right? But generally, like if you're doing activity and then feel completely like zonked for a long time after it, if, if you're not having a similar kind of like results, like if you're not able to put on muscle or, you know, if your, if your body composition isn't doing what you'd expect it to do, then that's probably too intense for, for most of us. So it really kind of needs to go up and down depending on what's going on. Like adrenally, you know, if you have all these stressors, the lack of sleep, the, you know, stress itself, physical stress of healing, you know, nursing, all of that. Who knows? Emotional stress. I mean, there's so many things that can pop up and make a lot of things worse. Like I know of something that I've heard commonly is like, if you personally, this is what I dealt with with my first child, especially is like, I had you know, baseline generalized anxiety my whole life, but I never really had to deal with it. It's just something Mm -hmm. I knew was there. But then once I had these more stressors of having a child, it's like, then my anxiety was like, Hey, (laughs) knocking on the door. Hey, Hey, Hey. So it's like just a perfect storm of like, yes, you're not sleeping a whole lot. You know, you have this predisposition of having mental health issues and you're not eating well. And it's just there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's why we have to look at all this stuff in context. Yes. You know, it's not yes. just about like, I have anxiety or I don't have anxiety or I need meds or I don't have meds. It's so much about the context of, of the season that you're in. And that's why the postpartum diet is just different than the kind of general healthy diet. It's, it's yeah. more food and it's more nutrients. And it's it, because this is the time of our lives where we need more of it. And, you know, it's different than the standard American diet, but the like food pyramid, you know, which is no longer <laughs> like the food pyramid right, we grew right, up with. Right? right. But now more kind of like of a low fat, you know, higher vegetable type of diet, which is promoted more for like diabetes control and chronic disease management, you know, different story of whether or not that, that type of diet works for those Mm -hmm. purposes, but especially is not appropriate for this particular stage where we just need so many more calories and so many more like nutrient dense and sometimes calorie dense foods as well. And so just having like a salad Mm -hmm. with some chicken breast, like a big salad with some chicken breast and vegetables for, for lunch sounds like a really healthy lunch, right? But it's not enough, you know, it's not dense enough for what, what our body needs. And, you know, having that like three, 4 PM, energy crash and then being starving for dinner mm-hmm. shows us that, you know, we just didn't eat enough during the day. And when yeah. we balance that all out, it, it works. I went on a tangent there from what we were talking about, but you're fine. No, I love it. I love it. Well, let's talk about if someone's really interested, cause I'm very interested in this now talking to you for the past 30 minutes. This is very interesting to me. So if our listeners are listening, like how can someone even find a functional nutritionist where they are? Is it covered by insurance? Is it something that you have to pay out of pocket for? Yeah. Most of the time it ends up being out of pocket, unfortunately, yeah. which is a bummer. Yeah. If I had my way, there would be a dietitian and every single primary care and OBGYN clinic because there just should be, but like, nobody's calling me to ask me in my opinion on these types of things. I mean, you wish they would, right? (laughs) (laughs) Dietitians can sometimes be reimbursed by insurance or accept insurance. And it really kind of depends on what state you live in, 
if you have like a diagnosis of something. So yeah. like a dietitian can often get either reimbursed like in, in private practice if we get like a super bill to a patient or something like that so that the patient can get reimbursed. Typically that only happens, I mean, it's totally varies insurance by insurance, right? But typically that only happens if you have like a diagnosis code from a physician that can then be in the approval range for the insurance company. So that's like diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, not really my patient population, right? And so for these more kind of wellness areas, it tends to mostly be out of pocket. Which I mean, is so it's, unfortunate. It's, it's I mean, unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole actually prevention. Yes. <laughs> disease. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. We're focused more on prevention here. Yeah. We're focused Which on prevention. Which is cheaper in the long run for yeah. an insurance perspective, for sure. But, you know, that's just kind of is what it is. So there's not likely a lot of room. I mean, I always give my patient a super bill, you know, if yeah. they're in my state and everything, and I'm working with them under the laws governing California. If they want a super bill, I give it to them. They're more likely to get HSA, FSA reimbursement. That's a good like medium, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So that usually works. But again, always check with, don't assume it's going to work and that you're going to get reimbursement there. Always check beforehand if that's a yeah. deal breaker for mm-hmm. you. Different states have different rules too. Like in North Carolina, where you are, the word nutritionist is very tightly regulated and essentially only a registered dietitian can call themselves a nutritionist. Here in California, anything goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anybody can call themselves anything in the field of nutrition. And so you have varied backgrounds as far as training and what you're getting. But you know, registered dietitians are, are really the only ones that might get a reimbursed from insurance. I'm not super well-versed in insurance because I'm in this area where they don't provide help (laughs) for for this wellness, more, more wellness area. So that makes sense. And as far as like finding one, that's a functional nutritionist, do you have any tips on that? A little bit harder to find, you know, Instagram is actually a really good spot. There's a lot of us on there. Yeah. If you kind of search for like holistic dietitian or your functional dietitian, or even just like a a hormone literate dietitian is going to have such great background in understanding this stuff because we didn't get a lot of education on hormones really at all in the typical didactic coursework for, to become a registered dietitian. So we really know if somebody is talking a lot about hormones in, on their website, their marketing, they've done a lot of continuing education to educate themselves on that in the background. And they're usually all, all super great, but this is really why I, I developed my course, right? Because public health background, right? And so I'm you know, taking, you know, seeing patients that can't afford me, which which is great and it pays the bills and it keeps the lights on and, and all of that. And I'm definitely helping them. We're doing sometimes like really great functional testing, which can give us so much insight about what's going on under the hood on, on a particular patient, but it's, it's not accessible for a lot of people. Right. And so that's really why I created my course. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't really need to, I guess, because I was getting enough of my one-on-one patients and that felt really fulfilling but I felt like I needed to help more people in a way that felt much more accessible. And and sometimes we can do the the testing as well in that context. But a lot of times I just use kind of symptom assessments to, you know, if your symptoms are clustering like here, if you're resonating with a lot of this that I'm talking about, let's focus here first. And and so it ends up being a bit of like a choose your own adventure book, right? Everybody's starting with these foundations and then we, we move around. So 
I find that there's a lot of different courses that different dietitians have in this reproductive health space. I've seen a lot of dietitians have like PCOS courses, pregnancy nutrition courses. And then there's more and more now happening in this more like motherhood realm and as well as like things like perimenopause and postpartum. So there's more and more coming that makes it more accessible for when working one-on-one doesn't quite make sense from a financial perspective. Makes sense. Well, can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you and any resources Resources that you have to offer on your end. Yeah, so many. <laughs> so my website is motherwellnutrition.com and my Instagram handle is b.motherwell and you can find me there. I have the course that I mentioned is called Mother Recover. You can find that on my website or you can go straight to that description page. It's mother-recover.com. And I have a couple of things, resources that I can give to your audience if you Love like. It. Yeah. yeah, we can put the links in the show notes page for people to check out. Sure. Perfect. Perfect. So I have a new mom supplement guide that has like my favorite prenatals, like adaptogen type supplements to take other, other things that are just like really helpful, particularly in that kind of like fourth trimester when we're really yeah. trying to re-nourish our bodies. So that's my supplement guide. And then I have a postpartum hormone quiz that kind of goes through those symptoms of different hormones. So we can identify like which one needs the most help. Usually kind of all of them at the same time need some support and help, but figuring out which one needs, needs the most love is important. So then, and I send in my mind, I send really, really good emails. So once you sign up for those, if you want, you can also get my emails, which are pretty robust. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Allison, for coming on. This was just such a fun chat. I feel like mm-hmm. I learned a lot Good. about nutrition. I always, I feel like there's always stuff to learn, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was always super fun. I can talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.